Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Today we share our Christmas Eve sermon, where we gathered three times, in fact, and shared together the light of Christ and the fulfillment of hope and peace and joy and love, uh, preaching from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. Check out the message here. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place in the guest room. Now in that same region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. Holy Words for God's People Good evening, church. It's great to be with you. My name is Joe. I get to serve as lead pastor here at Bothell United Methodist Church. And for all of you who are here on site and those of you who are joining online, welcome. We are so glad that you are worshiping with us this evening. Um, Let's pray and we'll get started with this time. Holy One, be present here and in all the places from which we are worshiping. Move in us and through us that we too would be moved and changed. Speak to us, we pray. Less of me, more of you. None of me, all of you. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the greatest privileges that I have as a pastor is working with and mentoring pastors who are just getting started. And there's a handful of pastors that I personally know who are preaching their first Christmas Eve sermon ever. And in one of my uh, con- uh, conversations leading up to this week, uh, one of those uh, pastors asked me, Joe, how long are your sermons on Christmas Eve? You know, and they're basically asking me how long should they preach on this high holy night? And I thought about it for a few seconds, and then I responded with something like, you know, this Luke 2 text is really powerful, and there's so much there to unpack and discover. So I would say, preach however long a message the Holy Spirit gives you, and also no one's there to listen to you anyway. And while that's not entirely true, nor is that entirely fair, I do think that we miss the point of Christmas Eve services, and even the point of Christmas Day, if we think that the highlight of our time together will be a highly theological incredibly inspiring, life-changing 17 minutes of the preacher talking at you, telling you about hope and peace and joy and love. And just wait, that's exactly what you're going to get for the rest of the time that I have with you. But that's not the point. And here's why. You already know what is hope and peace and joy and love. From the youngest child here to those who have already celebrated many Christmases before, each of you already know what is hope and peace and joy and love. You carry this with you in your hearts. Think hoping for the perfect present or hoping for reconciliation in a relationship or or hoping for the end of war and conflicts. Think peace of an infant curled into the crook of one mother's arms. Think peace when the kids go to bed. Think peace listening to the first snowflakes fall. Think joy when winter break starts. Think joy sliding and sledding down that hill. Joy hugging a sibling or a friend or a family member you haven't seen in a while, joy celebrating monumental life events. And just think about love. You know this already. You don't need me to tell you about hope and peace and joy and love. So that's not the point of our time together. But what is what is? You know, earlier this week, uh, my family and I, we went to the Seattle Children's Theater. We saw a very electric Christmas. It's a fantastic show. It was fun and creative. Uh, they used lasers and lights to tell the story of a bird trying to make their way back home. And at the end of the show, the creative director came out on stage and we got to see how uh, they made the costumes, how they configured the lights. And then he said something like this. He says, you've all just witnessed the world premiere 
of this specific show. Some of us gasp, and others were confused because the program clearly says that this show has been going on for three weeks. But then he continued. He said, this show has never been done before because this moment has never happened before. You weren't here before. This combination of cast and audience has never been together before, so celebrate you. Isn't that the point? That, that, that each of us has come together online and on site at this specific moment in history to be together in community, to worship together, to celebrate Christ's birth together. It's why at every single service of every single week, you'll hear one of us say that for exactly who you are and who God created you to be, you are welcome and you belong. Whether this is your first time celebrating Christmas Eve in a church ever, or whether you've been coming here from before you were born, you are welcome and you belong. Whether you came here tonight by yourself, or you have joined with family, you are welcome and you belong. Whether you consider Die Hard a Christmas movie, or whether you're in the correct crowd that does not, <laughs> you are welcome and you belong. We want to name, though, that there are places in our world where people are pushed out, kept out, left out, based on identity, and especially in the capital C church. We want you to know that if that has been your experience, we're so very sorry. So very sorry. And we especially want you to know that you are welcome and you belong. What that means for us is this. It means if you are gay or lesbian, transgender, bisexual, or questioning, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. If you're black or brown or indigenous or if you've been discriminated against because of the color of your skin, know that you are welcome. Know that you belong. If you find yourself homeless or houseless or in the lower economic brackets of our community, if you're single or divorced, partnered, separated, or widowed, know that you are welcome. Know that you belong with all of your unique gifts and abilities created to be bearers of Christ's image to all the world. Know that you are welcome. Know that you belong. Amen? Amen? Here's what I'm thinking about tonight. Mary and Joseph were not welcome. They did not belong. It's actually part of the Christmas story that I usually skim over, but I, I want to pause tonight just for a few moments to, to settle on verse 7. It reads, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger. And here's the part, because there was no place for them in the inn. A couple things here. 
We need to start by putting the scene in context. And if we go back just one chapter to Luke 1, we we find that these are the days of King Herod of Judea, while also being the days of Emperor Augustine and Governor Quirinius, as we're told in tonight's text. And let's be clear about one thing. It's historically unlikely, maybe even impossible, for these to be the days of all three of these people at the same time. And I'm borrowing from the work of theologian Howard Marshall. He says this, first of all, when, when, when Augustus issued this decree, Judea was not part of the Roman province. It was instead a client kingdom ruled by a different Herod, Herod the Great, and so it would not have been part of any Roman census. And number two, uh, Quirinius was the governor of Syria, yes, but from 6 to 12 CE, not during the reign of Herod, who died in 4 BCE. And lastly, there's no record of Romans requiring people to return to their ancestral home. People, they were registered where they lived, not where their families came from. But that's not the point of Luke naming these leaders. Luke isn't going for historical accuracy here. Instead, the point is that they were all leaders of the empire who kept the Jewish people oppressed and placed upon them legal discrimination for their identity and status. So already, Joseph and Mary are outsiders to the powers of the day. But on top of that, we're told that there was no place for them in the inn. And here's why this is strange. See, we're talking about a culture, a region of the world that prioritizes hospitality. In fact, I would suggest that most regions of the world prioritize hospitality. For, for those of us who are living in the United States, in our comfort, in our individualism, this idea of having no place makes sense, right? Restaurants are booked, hotels are always full, concerts and shows are sold out. But in other cultures, when I was in the Dominican Republic, or in Russia, or in Thailand, or in Kazakhstan. It it didn't matter if there wasn't any space. There was always room for one more. Always. Always. So how is it that in a culture that prioritizes hospitality, where there's always room for one more, how is it that there was no room for Jesus? And here's one more thing. Mary and Joseph, they're not going to the Hilton, then the Sheraton, then Motel 6 and Holiday Inn. They're going back home. They're going to be back with his family, Joseph's family, where they could be counted. And when the text tells us that there was no place for them, it means that his own family was keeping them out. Why? I don't know. Could it be because they were ashamed of Joseph? That he would take in this girl who was already pregnant? Or could it be that they wanted nothing to do with Mary? That they didn't want to bring scandal into their home? 
Could it be that they had already rejected this couple and this unborn baby and decided to make a statement with their purity and their wholesomeness? I wonder how often we treat our siblings like Mary and Joseph. I wonder about all the experiences of the people we keep out and push out because we don't like who they are. We don't like how they act, what they believe. We don't like what situations they've encountered, what life circumstances have brought them to this point. We just don't like them. And are we not like Joseph's family who could not muster even the smallest of energies and care to welcome them in to make room for one more? Here's what's fascinating about our text it's not clear who was actually physically there to celebrate christ's birth whether the families came where they brought them food and water and cloth and things that would actually be helpful to a newborn i mean if we listen to the text and believe the nativity scenes that we place on our mantles and here at church there's no uncle there's no grandma there's no tia or tito or lola or lolo there's none of them at the site instead it's just the shepherds it's just these guys who are living in the fields keeping watch of their flock It's these guys to whom the angels show up saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I am bringing you good news of great joy. And when the angels leave, these shepherds turn to one another and and they start to exclaim to one another. They, They build in excitement and they say, let's go now. And scripture says they went with haste. Here's the lesson. Be less like Joseph's family. Be more like the shepherds. Be more like the shepherds who chose to believe that there could be a Messiah, that there could be a Savior, a deliverer of hope and peace and joy and love. Be more like the shepherds who hurried to a family rejected to celebrate with them, to glorify God and praise God with them. Be more like the shepherds who told the whole world of their experiences and I have to believe lived out the rest of their lives changed and transformed because of this encounter with the Holy One. Be more like the shepherds. And I truly believe that this Christmas, in this broken world full of conflict and war, gun violence and mass shootings in this broken world where poverty and homelessness and houselessness is on the rise in this broken world full of selfishness and greed full of hate and rejection that usually win maybe the good news for us this christmas is that there is hope and joy and peace all around us And that we too, and that you too, can be part of sharing that Christmas magic, if not with the whole world, at least with your worlds, your family, 
your school friends, your colleagues, your neighbors, your community. May this Christmas be for you and your loved ones full of love and laughter. And may you continue to show up in all the spaces and places that God leads you. That you too might be the fullness of hope and joy and peace and love to all the world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for the ways that you show up in our lives. How you showed up 2,000 years ago in the form of a baby and how your presence still moves in us today. We pray that you would instill in us a posture of courage and boldness that we might go against the powers of this world and instead challenge them so that we might experience hope and peace and joy and love. Be with us as you were with those first storytellers, those first shepherds, those first magi. Be with us even now. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was our Christmas Eve sermon. As a reminder, we will not be having on-site worship on December 31st, but we do hope that you will join us online and catch the podcast afterwards. Uh, Have a wonderful week. Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you soon.